Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. January 2010, in the buckle of the Bible Belt, 10 churches burned to the ground in just over a month, igniting the largest criminal investigation in East Texas history. No stone is left unturned. Even Satan himself is considered a suspect in this gripping investigation of a community terrorized from the inside out. Families are torn apart, and communities of faith struggle with forgiveness and justice in this incredible but true story. We're joined today by the editor, producer, and director of a wonderful documentary called Little Hope Was Arson. That would be Theo Love. Theo, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, I I guess the obvious question um, on something like this is, now, I mean, if if I'm kind of an example of this, I remember the story unfolding at the beginning of the sort of the ten, the the string of churches being, being burned. Um, At what point in that story did you decide that you wanted to do something as a filmmaker? And tell, tell us our listeners just a little bit about how you went from that point to actually being down in this part of East Texas and, um, and, and directing this documentary. Yeah, well, uh, I actually had never, ever considered making a documentary. Not even once was that on my radar. In fact, I had, hadn't even really seen a whole lot of documentaries. Um, but, uh, but I heard about these 10 churches that burned down about three years after the fact. When, when I read an article in the Texas Monthly um, magazine, mm-hmm. and when I read this article... It read like a screenplay. I mean, the the ten churches burned down, and how this turned into the largest criminal investigation in East Texas history, and the way it unraveled, and the characters that were involved were things that were just. I mean, it, it almost came down to a, a three act structure, just in the real life event, mm-hmm. and so immediately. I uh, I called uh, my producing friend Trenton Waterston, who who worked for Marvel at the time, and him and I had been looking for uh, something to develop into a narrative screenplay, mm-hmm. and we immediately started uh, working with writers and and developing this into a narrative film, and that was our intent uh, initially, in, and we started doing research and with the actual people who were involved. And as we talked to the local townspeople in East Texas, we realized that because it was only three years after the event, the emotions were still so fresh. Mm-hmm. And we, we started talking to people who would cry with us over the phone. And, and we made a trip out to East Texas, and we sat in living rooms with pastors and church members who had, who had watched their churches burn down in the middle of the night. And we realized, hey, you know, this might be something that, you know, at the very least could be a special features on the DVD of a, of a feature one day. But, you know, we soon discovered that it, it could be a great documentary. And so Trenton and I came back to L.A. and we took a, a crash course in documentary filmmaking and watched all the greats. And, you know, I discovered who Errol Morris was and the Thin Blue Line and just 
familiarize myself with the how to make a documentary, and we went out and and filmed it. And so I I really kind of call myself an uh, an accidental documentarian. Mm-hmm. Well, you, well, you're <clears throat> you're quick study. <clears throat> excuse me, because it is a compelling documentary. It, it has all the component parts of a great documentary. Um, it's a great story. Um, the, the one of the strengths of the film is. Um, the reveals in this are a uh, are there's a there's a fair amount of build up to to the point where we know what happened, and that there's so much there's a lot of um, it's just a very well done it's a very well paced film uh, and well, thank you and um, uh, and it does give you enough information obviously f- because this is such an intriguing if you will premise for a well for a for a feature film but certainly for a documentary this actually happened and why did it happen in churches and all kinds of sort of uh cultural zeitgeist come into play when you're when you start talking about burning churches and in and as as I said in the introduction in the buckle of the of the bible belt i mean this is really the heart of uh of where uh we and most americans think of as uh the most religiously devoted people in the country live. So it had all those elements. Um, Absolutely. But just going back to your point, you uh, we didn't cover this uh, but uh, before, but this is you had done a number of short films. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I never got a, a chance to go to film school. Um, I always wanted to. It sounded like a lot of fun. Um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't afford film school, but I could afford a camera. And so I bought my first video camera when I was 17 years old and started making short films. And I had a goal every year I had to complete a short film. And so for about eight years, I just cranked out every kind of genre you can think of. I made musicals, I made action films, I made dramas. You know, you name it, I, I made it. And and let me be clear, none of them were any good <laughs> at all. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it gave me uh, it gave me an opportunity to learn. And and most importantly, it it gave me experience with with showing my films to an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like there's there's a lot of, um, you know, obviously with filmmaking, there's a lot of technical knowledge that you need to gain, and and you know, just storytelling, the craft of storytelling is 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 a difficult thing to learn how to do. But um, but really, like understanding an audience and how an audience will respond to a story, and and with pacing, and like you said, you know, giving out information at, at certain times to to elevate the drama. Um, that's really what I learned through my short films. What works and what doesn't. Um, probably more what doesn't work. Um, so, so when I when it got to be when I had made way too many short films and kind of exhausted my resources with that, um, that's when I turned my sights to something something longer. And and as I said before, I was strictly thinking narrative, you know, something scripted. But um, but you know, in making this documentary, so many of the lessons I learned through short films came in so handy with with making this documentary you know it it doesn't it doesn't really matter if you're working with actors or if you're working with interview subjects in their own homes who have never been on camera it's it's all storytelling at the end of the day Mm -hmm. definitely well let's go back to the story itself to some degree again uh, as people who listen to film school know we're not in the business of spoiling uh the enjoyment of watching the film but we will talk about 
um, the, the this region of the country, East Texas, uh, the, the sort of the cultural, social dynamics that are in play. Again, we mentioned, that obviously, with the church. I, know, I want to remind our listeners, speaking of that, that we're speaking with Theo Love. He is the director, producer, and editor uh, of the film. The documentary, Little Hope, was arson. So, um, you, as you... As you said earlier, you went down there almost as a sort of a, a way of background research on, on what you thought might be a feature film. You're down there, and you start meeting these people. What um, tell us a little bit about who, you, why you picked the people you picked? Uh, did they? Yeah. How did you make yourself known to the community? I guess is sort of the process of making this film, uh, and well, and, that, then, and selecting those people. Yeah, you know, I mean, finding finding interview subjects. Um, and and earning their trust uh, to tell their story was is probably the one of the most difficult parts in this whole process, because you know in in that part of the world they were very very excited to you know to call us you know Holly weird you know and mm-hmm. and have this this general distrust for for people in Hollywood coming out with cameras and so the the first hurdle was just letting them know that we weren't there to exploit their pain and this tragic circumstances. And we weren't there to, um, to tell our version of the story. You know, it was very important for us to, to allow the people of East Texas to tell their own story, because that was what, that's what's so interesting about the story is that, you know, like you said, this is the buckle of the Bible belt. So it's not like 10 churches, if 10 churches burned in L.A., it, the crime might be interesting, but the significance of the crime, you know, wouldn't really go that far. Right. Whereas in East Texas, there is literally a church on every street corner. And, I mean, the religion permeates every single aspect of the culture. I, I, and so, uh, Dr. You know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but aren't there's, I yeah. think there were some statistics in the in the film. I think I have 14,000 churches in, in Texas. Is that what I, I think? It, I think it's 1,400, 1,400 churches. Oh, I'm but, sorry. Okay. My- but still, <laughs> if, if, you, if, you look at the, if you look at the math of just how many people live in East Texas versus the amount of churches yeah. there are, there, there are more seats in churches than there are people to fill those seats. So it's just an astounding number of, of churches. And, and so for somebody to burn 10 of them down, I mean, it was, I I can't even describe how, how big of a deal that was. I mean, we, there were, there were people that would go into their churches and camp out all night, like round the clock, camp out in their churches with guns, yeah. Ready to ready to shoot somebody who tried to burn their shir- their church down. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it, they were they were on that high of an alarm mm-hmm. uh, in the area, and so so going out there to tell. I mean, if we were to tell a West Coast version of the story, it wouldn't really have the same impact. the The heart and soul of this is telling the story through East Texan eyes, and that's that's when it really gets fascinating because. You know when they when they first heard about these churches burning down, they their first gut reaction was that they were terrorists or uh, were Satanists mm-hmm. or you know at, at the very least atheists. But when they actually dug deep into you know 
who was burning these churches down, they came to find out that it was one of their own. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, and, and, and that's where, that's where it doesn't just become a story about religion, but it's a, it's a community and, um, and justice and loyalty and, and most of all, forgiveness at the end of the day. Yeah. And again, yeah, it's, it's, it's a much, a um, it's, it's the crime, uh, that was committed, and obviously the the property damage is certainly significant in the place where these people go to worship and all of that. And as you're describing it, uh, the, you know the the devastation that they felt. But what is uh, excellent, uh, remarkable about uh, the film and about the people in the film as well is that um, the questions that they ask themselves and the questions that that they're struggling to to answer and i think you hit on it with forgiveness i mean the tenets of religion are about that that is one of the basic tenets of christianity yeah. and every religion as well is this ability to look beyond and to forgive and to move on and hopefully with it comes renewal and all the rest of it and this is certainly at the core of what we're talking about when you're when in the film little hope was was ours and uh and so that's the drama that plays out in front of us, the audience watching this film. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's a difficult thing to to tell a story about religion because, you know, a lot of a lot of films that cover religious topics um, kind of kind of criticize it. Well, they have a point uh, of view that's usually condescending or glib or something like that. Correct. And and then on on the flip side you have you have religious films who are who are just trying to evangelize right, um right. and and they become preachy and they don't even feel like authentic. Stories. Well, they be, yeah, they become ridiculous. It's exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, we had we had this unique story because the victims of these crimes were not just they weren't people they were church buildings i mean nobody was hurt in these church fires nobody was killed and it wasn't directed at a certain race or a certain denomination right. it was based on church buildings and so it yeah i mean we we had a choice of how to present that and and i'm i'm very happy to say that you know i mean we um we presented it in a way that that both the secular audience and the faith-based audience is responding to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, we, we've had a, a couple of different uh, reviews come out from, you know, New York Times and L.A. Times that are, are talking about how it's, it's really objective and yeah, it it's not criticizing. And so, I mean, that's something that we really took a lot of pride in yeah. is presenting it in that objective way. And I think that, that that, to answer your initial question, that was what, got us in the door with a lot of the interview subjects is yeah. by giving them a commitment that we were not there to destroy their religion. Right. Um, but at the same time, we weren't there to glorify it either. Right. Well, I, again, the, the, the different characters, people uh, who were law enforcement, people who were uh, the uh, clergymen and members of the church, and even relatives of uh, the, uh, the people involved in it are all in some various forms, some various degrees of uh, struggling to reconcile what happened with religion, with family, with law enforcement, the sort of the, the sweep of law enforcement, the almost inability to see 
mercy in 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 uh, in the law. Uh, all of those things are 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 open and being and being and, the, and these people are in very real and human ways struggling with all of those questions. And I and I think that's the for me the beauty of watching a little hope was ours was arson. So, well, that I mean, you, I I I appreciate you seeing beauty in that because I mean that's that's a way that that I've learned, you know, is is different from you know, narrative films. In in narrative films we've we've come to expect these kind of uh easy answers, you know, a, a nice little ending that wraps up in a in a in a little bow for us that comes to a nice uh logical moral conclusion. Reality never works that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, reality is messy. It's it's oftentimes confusing. And I would love to say that our film answers the question as to why these churches burned and, and what churches should do differently and, and, you know, answers a bunch of questions, but it really doesn't. It opens up a lot more questions yeah. um, than it probably answers about what it means to be a church, what, you know, what role does church have in, in society, and, and, and why, you know, how somebody's religious beliefs can affect their, their actions. Um, you know, in this case, in a in very violent action. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and that's that's something that that a film that tackles religion, I feel like, is best when it it doesn't strive to to answer questions, but strives to pose them. Yeah, and I would also, by the way, we're speaking with Theo Love, the director, producer, and editor of the film uh, Little Hope Was Arson. I uh, also, in addition to that. Other questions arise in the film, and and and, the, and then the people who you were able to um, interview for this, questions about family, questions about domestic violence, questions about alcoholism, questions about, you know, the impact that these things have, and and religion is, you know, is it is it a vessel for sort of these things being played out, or is it, it how much of an impact does in fact, you know, these issues of drug abuse and alcoholism actually faci- are facilitated in some ways by religion. I mean, we have, I, I, won't, I don't want to venture too far down this road because I don't want to give it away, but we have someone very close to the people uh, who were responsible for this whose whose own um, decision to try and take their own life, the impact that it had, all these things, all these sort of, in, I always, I'm finding more and more of these stories it's sort of about about the brutality of one towards the other and the and this sort of rippling effect that these things tend to have on people's lives and and, and it ends up in our court system and our court systems are not there uh at, at least in the, in you know for the lar- in the large part to uh to be merciful they're there to be sort of vengeful and 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 those are those are questions i you know we all should be struggling with what is the purpose of the criminal justice system um, yeah. And and all of these things, and again, you know, little hope is a, and the actions of these of the people involved, really kind of play all this stuff out. Yeah, you know, I mean, you you bring up an amazing an amazing point about you know the forgiveness is something that is is championed by pretty much every religion, but yet it doesn't really have a place in our justice system. No, um, and. I don't know if it should have a place in our justice system, if I'm completely honest. Mm-hmm. You know, this this movie isn't isn't about taking on 
the legal system at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, there are some things that are fairly startling about the, re- the, the legal system and the, the consequences of burning churches in Texas. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, the consequences are fairly harsh for yeah. somebody to burn churches in Texas. And, and you know, there's, there is so much discussion on forgiveness on a personal level in this film, but it doesn't really transcend into our legal system. Not at all. And, and that's, you know, I, I've taken this film to, to quite a few film festivals over this past year, and, and that inevitably, after, during the Q&A after the film, it always goes back to the legal system. Hmm. With people, with people asking whether forgiveness and grace has any sort of room in the courtroom. Well, and uh, the reason I'm bringing it up, it, and it's probably the very similar to the reasons that it's brought up in in these um, screenings, is that we we have the luxury, in some ways, of of, of a fully fleshed out um, perspective on the story. And oftentimes that's not the case in in a, in a legal proceeding. The legal proceeding is, did they do it or did they not do it? They're not so right. much interested in the whys and the and the and the ramifications of a of a life uh, before the crime. And uh, and I and again, I mean, I think this is grist for for discussion. I think we, you know, maybe maybe we keep people from doing these things over and over again if we have. A longer view, uh, or or not? Maybe crimes are so heinous that it doesn't really matter, and that's that's not the concern of the courts or the judicial system or the jails or the people who run the jails. But at some point, we've got to stop. I mean, this is just me, you know, sort of editorializing. Right. At some point, we maybe we need to. Maybe this mm-hmm. our criminal, or maybe our you know, maybe not the courts. Maybe it's our or the when we put people in jail. That we need to be looking at rehabilitation as as at least as much as we look at uh, retribution, and and because we continue to cycle people through. I, I mean, this is an we're way off subject here, Theon. I didn't mean to get away. <laughs> no, I, yeah, but I, um, but I, I think I think that's the that's the reason why we make films like this, right? Because right. it allows for discussion to develop, whether it's whether it's on the the legal system and and yeah. you know the prison systems or or it's on religion, you know and. And I mean that is the biggest compliment you could ever give this film by by getting way off topic and a big philosophical discussion. But that's the the best thing in the world for me. Yeah. Well, again, as I said, the, the beauty of Little Hope was arson was that I have the long view. I have the big story. I have the big picture here in front of me. I see the families. I see the people involved. I see the church members. I see everything. So I have that benefit. So I can make these sweeping assessments where the courts and the ministers, the people that are focused on one specific part of this story don't have that perspective. And so, again, you're right. This is what the be- this is why we love documentaries and we love great filmmakers and, and the rest of it, because they tell these great stories. And, and, con- and once again, congratulations to you and, 
and to uh, Trent as well on on this Trenton. I don't know how he goes <laughs> goes by, but uh, uh, Trenton Watterson on on just a wonderful film. I would like to point out that if you're fans of or listeners are fans of Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's like a ninety five percent or something. It's crazy. Yeah, it's way it's, up. There. It's up there. We, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, it's it's kind of you know, I mean, the reviews are are. Uh, you know, they, when they're good, they're such a blessing. You know, when they're bad, yeah. you try to bury them deep. But <laughs> you know, we, we uh, you know, we've been incredibly blessed to to yeah. get some great reviews. And and you know, I, I kind of like to circle back. You know, because you are you know film school radio, and you you talk about films on a broad perspective. Like, you know, we the the reviews are surprising to us, quite frankly. Like, I mean, we tried to make the best film that we could possibly make. Um, but we always assumed that people would dislike our film. Honestly, like we, we really did the whole process. We were like, Oh, critics are going to hate it. Why? Because, because it was religious and it, it is, it is inherently religious. There's no way to take the religion out of it, but that's the thing that is, is so encouraging actually about this whole process of releasing the film is that. Critics and audiences are are able to see the religion in context. Yeah. That it's not religion pushed on the audience. Yeah. It's religion that is inherent to the characters. Yeah. And and so I mean, I, I'm I'm absolutely blown away. I, I I go to Rotten Tomatoes, you know, more often than I'd like to admit, just to you know. Make sure that it's real. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me ask you then. Uh, you've been, you've done the documentary, you've done all the research. Are you still entertaining the idea of doing this as a as a, a narrative? Yeah, we absolutely are. You know, we okay. we're on uh, we're on draft. I think four of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, it's a tough story. What we found out was that it, it's really tough to turn this particular story into a narrative because. Um, the documentary takes the perspective of the community, and it's very much a community story, mm-hmm. whereas the narrative will be told through the arsonist's eyes mm-hmm. of what it was like to go into a church in the middle of the night and deliberately light it on fire, mm-hmm. and, and what were some of the motivations behind that. And so it's a, it's a completely different movie, and we're, we're excited about it, but we're still wrestling with it. Can, can I introduce uh, a thought into that? Into, into Absolutely. Your, okay, well, there's a couple things that I, I would... Film school. Yes, uh, that's right. I, writing something like this, I would also really bring in, um, and I'm just going to use her name because this won't give anything away. I would use, I would bring in uh, Christy uh, and, mm-hmm. and the, you know, what sort of her internal dialogue and struggle would have been. And then, sure. and then James Ellis. I think those are two people that allow us to see into the humanity of the people involved. I think the, the youth minister, if I've got, it, it is James Ellis. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think those two are sort of a, a good audience uh, device to, to get us mm. into the minds of these guys. I mean, oh, sure. oh, sir, to these people. And, uh, you know, I think, I think their struggle and, and, and James's, um, you know, on, on screen time isn't a lot, but it's very powerful. And I was yeah. really drawn to him and his story. And, and where it took him, and I think with same with Christie, those are two people that really, you know, was, were really a great way into understanding what was going on. Absolutely, so. absolutely. I mean, that you know, that's I, 
you you definitely know the the challenges of of storytelling yeah. because you know the the difficult part in a film like this is is getting the audience to connect with your protagonist and if your protagonist is burning down churches right. then uh you know you you have to find other points of reference for the audience to connect to but well, believe in the relationship with yeah. with the with the with the well, the arsonist though that's a very complex and and it and it, i mean it you know <laughs> their relationship seems grist for a lot of of good drama but yeah. but i but uh, but you know as you said i think it would be it's going to be difficult to make them to make me as an audience member want to watch them you know and i'm sure there are you know more about their their backstory than i do but I I want to I want to you know I want I want I'll, I want people to tell me why I should care about those people for sure yeah for sure so, and well, and you know I mean that's that's the thing with you know the the characters that you mentioned with with Christy and James Ellis is that you know there even though there were there were arsonists who who you know lit the match and burned these churches down mm-hmm. there was a community around them yeah. that was affected but also contributed yeah. You know, and so so to tell their story means that you you do have to tell the the community story as well. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I've kept you a lot longer than I said I was going to, and I appreciate <laughs> you spending all this time with us. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, it's been been a lot of fun. Thank you. So I want to once again remind our listeners that the film is Little Hope was arson, and I love that story. That little bit of the why it's titled A Little Hope Was Arson is a terrific thread to pull on if you want to go see this film. <laughs> and um, and and uh, it's just been a pleasure. And I, I look forward to uh, your future work and, and documentary work. If you choose to go down that road again, it seems like you've got a, a knack for it. And um, in your, by the way, just off, off topic yeah. a little bit, in your travels through the world of documentary filmmaking, you mentioned Th- the Thin Blue Line, obviously a film about some people in Texas as well. But uh, any other favorites of yours or favorite filmmakers that you sort of uh, become? Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the, put the you on Thin this Blue one? Line uh, was hugely influential uh, to me in in making this. Uh, I probably, I, I kid you not, I probably watched that film uh, every week while I was editing this. Um, it's a great film. It is a great film. It's incredible, and it, it's incredible how long ago that was made. Yeah, you know, um, because it, it's still so contemporary. Yeah. But uh, but the other film that I would recommend to anybody watching is uh, is the film Dear Zachary. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. By a filmmaker named Kurt Kuhn. Um, he that that film is just absolutely incredible and taught me so much about. As you mentioned before, when you deliver information to yeah, the audience, yeah, and talk about it, a film that begs you to forgive. I mean, oh, I mean, that is I, a tough film. I haven't, I haven't begun to forgive the subjects in yeah. his film. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. still heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. So, it's a uh, uh, first, go see our film Little Hope Was Arson <laughs> on our iTunes. Yes, but uh, second, go watch Dear Zachary and uh, Thin Blue Line. Don't now, be, right. You won't be disappointed. So, so let that's great point. You can see uh, Little Hope on um, Little Hope Was Arson on iTunes. Where else can we see it? Yeah, it's on it's on I- Amazon. Uh, 
all the major VOD outlets. Um, if you're really quick, uh, you can go to littlehopewasarson.com and find a theater near you. There you go. Uh, it's playing at a, a couple local theaters, and um, it's a great film to see in an audience. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, and and it's and again, I I don't think I hit on this hard enough, but it's a beautiful film. You we we, you, we talked about. I mean, it looks great. We off off mic. I think we talked about the DSLR that you used. A uh, lot of indie filmmakers, a lot of documentary filmmakers, use those DSLRs and to great effect. And and it looks yeah. it looks great. Well, one one slight note on the the cinematography, and this is a, a little piece of filmmaker advice for anybody who's who's thinking about making their first documentary. Um, I hired a wedding videographer to film this, hmm. and that you know, wedding videographers get a really bad rap, and they they have, but that whole industry has taken off in the last five years with with DSLRs and. Wedding videographers are incredible because typically in their line of work, you get one shot. Exactly. You know, I mean, you have one shot to get that kiss that I do, you know, to get that one moment. And so on a documentary, it's that same sort of pressure. You need somebody who is able to capture something in the moment on the fly. And they're generally one-man shows. They show up with all their equipment. They're used to working alone. Yeah. They're, you know, no fuss, no, you know, Hollywood DP egos. And so I highly recommend hiring wedding videographers. Mm-hmm. And if you want to look at our reviews, I think that uh, our cinematographer, Nate Larson, has been mentioned more in positive re- reviews than I have. He's, <laughs> he just did a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal job. He, Beautiful. It, you, I, I I concur. Nate Larson, uh, the cinematographer on this film, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I can say I, I I actually work with somebody who has been a wedding cinematographer, wedding what do you want to call him? Um, uh, what do you call him? What did you just say? Wedding, wedding, wedding videographer. Videographer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But they, but oh, I yeah, can tell you, metal. I can tell you just from seeing. And I have seen some stuff lately, and you're right. It has gotten a lot more, you know, professional looking. Those guys yeah. work their asses off in a in a, oh, on a yeah. shoot. And you're right. They've got to get every shot right. They've got to get it. They only have one shot. And if they miss, you know, Uncle Bill who dies a month later, <laughs> you know, after the wedding, I mean, all hell breaks loose. So these guys oh, are yeah. under all kinds of pressure to get it right. And good, good, well, good advice. And, and I mean, not only that, is that generally they're very creatively frustrated. And yeah, so yeah. if you give them a job on a documentary or something even remotely uh, creative, um, then, you know, they just do incredible work. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say enough positive things about the wedding photographer industry. Yeah. Well, excellent, excellent advice. We are, after, as you said, film school. We dispel, dispense. Pardon me, dispense advice uh, in 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 boatloads, in bucket loads uh, here on this, on the show. So, thank you so very much, uh, Theo Love. I really enjoyed uh, the film and thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. I look forward to your future work. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.